Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.40 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 4th of March, 2022. This is episode 555, all fives episode of Bitcoin. And thank you to all the patrons on my Patreon for supporting the show. Likewise, thank you for all the podcasting 2.0 folks who are helping to support this show. I appreciate it. I know that I I spend a little bit too much time in the mornings uh, at at the head of the show talking about what that is, and I'm not going to do it today. So I'm going to say if you're not comfortable with either one of those in helping support the show, your time is just as valuable as anything else, right? We all know this as Bitcoiners. So if you can, you know, tweet out the show, you know, tell your friends about it, like say, hey, look, if you want some, if you just want the Bitcoin news on a daily basis, Tune in here. Five-star review on Apple iTunes always helps. So with all that said, let's get into it. We've got this tweet here from not Jerome Powell, a.k.a. at Alifarat79, who says the nuclear codes are now in a very safe place. And look at this. He's tweeted out a picture of his brand new Ledger hardware wallet. Oh, and look, right behind it is the 24-word seed phrase. Oh, my God. It's actually written down. Why on earth would somebody ever do that? So here's what I'm going to do. We're going to dox his seed words. And I'm going to do it right now because somebody who puts up the picture of their seed words deserves to get doxed. So let's do it. Number one is never. Number two is gonna. Number three is give. Number four is you. Wait. Five is up. Six, never gonna let you down never gonna run around and desert you never gonna make you cry laugh my ass off sorry dude <laughs> yeah we just got we just got rickrolled we got rickrolled with seed words how embarrassing i thought i was going to be doxing this person and all of a sudden i get i get rickrolled live in the morning at 8:42 a.m. oh my god it's just insanity more insanity on the way. Kyle Murphy at the Bitcoin bum. That is at the underscore Bitcoin underscore bum, B-U-M, uh, has a tweet out saying that um, the Bitcoin, the Oshi app Bitcoin block party is going to be happening not this weekend, next weekend, as far as I can tell, because this was this was tweeted out yesterday, March the 3rd. So I, he says next weekend, I'm assuming it's not, happening today or tomorrow it's happening the the week after so if you're in austin i do believe it's going to be at zilker park uh if you know if you're in austin you you know where the hell zilker park is i don't i don't have to tell you for those of you who are in the surrounding areas and you haven't been to austin or zilker park uh zilker starts with a z so you'll just put that into maps or whatever and and you'll you'll find it 
Uh, it's got some really nice uh, spring-fed uh, spring pool, pools. It's a beautiful little park. It's close to downtown. It's a very nice area. And if I remember right, it's next to a sculpture garden. I can't remember the name of it. It's like the Olaf Sculpture Garden or something like that, which is not the name of it. I've got that wrong. Uh, I know the people that are listening in Austin are laughing their asses off at me, but that's okay. I, I haven't lived in Austin in very, very many years, so I cannot remember it. <clears throat> Umlaut. I believe maybe that maybe that's it the umlaut sculpture guard yeah whatever dude anyway go it's the Oceat block party it's going to be at Zilker Park as far as I can tell so uh, go next weekend it should be awful or <laughs> Jesus it's tell it's the morning it should be awesome it should be awesome that's Oceat <clears throat> okay now I got to give a shout out to Marcus at Crocofant at Mastodon. He got in touch with me on Mastodon. I have been asking people to say, hey, you know, help me co-produce co-produce the show. And he gave me he gave me the following. And I'm not going to read all of it, but I am going to read the first one uh, just because, you know, he, he took the time to write me five uh, Mastodon toots. I'm going to take the time to mention him on the show. He says, you've asked listeners to tell you what they want to listen to in the show. Number one, <laughs> I like the format as it is. You've tried long interviews in the past, but that is not what I expect from my daily Bitcoin morning show. It happens to arrive in the afternoon in his particular time zone, by the way. I love the dad jokes at the end, especially if the previous topic was a bit heated. It's a great exit from the show. Thank you. I appreciate that, Marcus. And here's what else I appreciate. I appreciate the stern criticism that you have in your other four toots. I read them all. I read them twice. And here is how I can prove it. I got to make an apology for those people that I pissed off uh, getting really heated about vaccinated people. Now, I'm not exactly which show that happened on, but he said, dude, you've, dude you went off and it's not cool. Okay, so here it is. For all the vaccinated people that I pissed off on that one, I apologize. There is no but. There is no, uh, you know, or anything. It's just a flat out apology. You know, you didn't deserve that. And uh, that, was, that was bad on my part. So I'm going to own it. I'm going to live on it. And I'm going to just simply apologize. I do. This is not a but. However, I will say that I do still have you know, strict and very you know, very stern feelings about this whole thing, but you always need to do what you want to do. You can't listen to, you can't listen to me. If you want to get vaccinated, by all means, do so. Don't, don't let me say anything about that. If I have a problem with it, that's my problem. That is not your problem. That's not anybody else's problem. The only thing that I ask is that you don't force somebody to get vaccinated and I also ask that people like myself don't force people to become or that to not get vaccinated. You do what you want to do. You want to wear a mask? Great. Don't force somebody else to wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't force somebody to not wear a mask if they want to wear a mask. It's all about personal sovereignty. It's all about personal choice. Okay. So that's how, Marcus, that's how you know that I read your, read your critique. And it was very well taken. Thank you for helping me write the ship. Um, now, <clears throat> let's do this one. First up 
in the news stack, Bitcoin Magazine, Namcios, Lugano, Switzerland will make Bitcoin a legal tender. The city of Lugano, Switzerland, will make Bitcoin legal tender and allow citizens to pay for public service fees or taxes in Bitcoin. City director Pietro Poretti co-announced in an event live streamed on Thursday alongside Mayor Michelle Folletti and CTO of Tether, Paolo Arduino. The city has already worked with over 200 merchants to propel the adoption of Bitcoin and Lightning payments. Quote, this is probably the most important thing of this project, Arduino said, referring to Plan B, a city initiative being sketched and worked in collaboration with Tether to attract wealth, smart minds, and opportunities. Tether stablecoin USDT will also become a legal tender in the city. Plan B involves the creation of a physical venue in the heart of the city to function as a hub for Bitcoin and blockchain startups interested in making the city their new home, as well as a go-to place for networking events and hosting Bitcoin meetups and workshops and whatnot. Quote, El Salvador's GDP increased by 10%. It's tourism by 30% after declaring Bitcoin a legal tender, Arduino said. Imagine what we can do in a city at the center of Europe. End quote. Peretti said that the city will roll out the red carpet for Bitcoin businesses and enthusiasts welcoming visitors and visitors and prospect relocators with a business-friendly environment featuring minimized bureaucracy and the ideal conditions for a company to thrive. Plan B also provisions the creation of two investment funds. The first will allocate up to $3.26 million U.S., to foster the adoption of Bitcoin, USDT, and LVGA, the city's stablecoin, worth one one-hundredth of a Swiss franc, which will also be legal tender in Lugano. The second represents the formation of a pool of funds of up to $108.6 million for Bitcoin and blockchain startups that wish to relocate and set up their headquarters in the city, as well as bring personnel to the Switzerland town. Another aspect of Lugano's Plan B involves a close relationship with academia. Oh, joy. It plans to create a specialized curriculum on Bitcoin and Lightning and a partnership with local universities to increase the skills of young students in these new technologies. Bitcoin and blockchain education efforts will also include the creation of 500 student grants to create a skillful and specialized workforce. In late October, the city of Lugano will host the Bitcoin World Forum, a global event focused on the acceleration of Bitcoin adoption and the advocacy for freedom of expression Arduino and Peretti announced in the event. The speakers also announced the intention to have Lugano start mining Bitcoin as Plan B researches strategies the city could leverage to employ renewable energy sources to yield BTC. All right, so thank you, Namcios, for that, because this, this has been running around Bitcoin Twitter for a couple of days now. And so those seem to be the particulars, but here's here's my big question. Can I mean I don't know the structure of Switzerland, so and I don't know the 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 and I'm talking about the political, legal, governmental structure of of this entire country, but I have a massive question mark about the use of the term legal tender. It does look like. It's a little bit beyond just the government accepting payment for, you know, services and taxes in Bitcoin. Because we, we saw that, I don't know, in, in one of the Latin American countries not too long ago, where it's really not legal tender. It's just that the government of the country says, well, you can pay your, you can pay your taxes and stuff in, in Bitcoin. But everybody was saying that it was a legal tender law, but it wasn't. Okay. So again, I'm, I'm skeptical. 
is this really legal tender? Can a single city in Switzerland actually proclaim what is and what is not a legal tender without the say-so of the governing body of Switzerland? Okay, that's, that's a huge question. However, the statement that says that it's worked with 200 merchants to propel the adoption of Bitcoin and Lightning payments in that city seems to suggest that they have indeed done so. You see where this is, all of this is kind of a problem. This, it, it, it just is. It's, it's not clear exactly how it's legal tender. It's not clear at all because we don't know the governmental structure, unless you're from Switzerland and you know how this shit works, in which case, please reach out, tell us all how this is actually working. Because under most governments, they don't really like you saying what's going to be or not be legal tender in a city that is governed by the overarching government of that particular country. You see what I'm saying? So I would remain very skeptical about whether or not Bitcoin and Tether is going to be actual legal tender in this particular city. It is definitely a, a you know, interesting insofar as we'll have to wait and see and, you know, we'll continue to watch. But right now, I remain 100% skeptical that the use of the word legal tender is actually appropriate at this point in time. Um, sad news, Fractal Encrypt, <clears throat> at Fractal Encrypt, has lost his father. Uh, it's at Fractal Encrypt, all one word. Um, his father passed away. So we're sending our, um, you know, send your, your prayers, your thoughts, your positive energy out to Fractal Encrypt and, and his family uh, for the loss of his father and uh, grandfather to his child. Um, he said he has carved a digital memorial to him. And I reckon that he took a picture of it or, or did something to embed that into the Bitcoin time chain. Now think about that. I don't know how he did it. And he's not, he also is not giving the hash of the transaction of what was made. It doesn't matter. You don't need to see it. Fractal Encrypt has put something in a transaction that memorializes his father. And guess where that memorial to Fractal Encrypt's father lives? A foot and a half away from me. On my Bitcoin full node. There's something about that. I guess if you're just a, if you're a flat ass normie, you'll, you know, maybe just think that that's weird and geeky and nerdy and, and, and stupid or whatnot. But for those of us who actually understand what this technology really does mean, it'll last longer than generally speaking, if you're buried in a plot in a cemetery after about a hundred years, from what I understand, unless you've made arrangements, they hoist your carcass right out of the ground. And I don't know what they do with it. This is what I've heard, but you don't really stay there forever. As far as I can tell in this particular case, this memorial, as long as one node is still spinning and talking to at least one other node, Bitcoin lives and any memorial that was embedded into a transaction hash likewise also lives. I, I find this rather intriguing. It's still sad. And I'm very sorry that Fractal Encrypt has lost his father. Um, so prayers, you know, reach out to him at Fractal Encrypt on Twitter, um, send your condolences, 
digital flowers, whatever it is that, that you want to do, let them know that we're, we're thinking about them because it's important for us to, to band together as tight as we possibly can. It's always been important. It's, it's even more important now, and it's going to be even more important in the future. Now, getting back to the news, <clears throat> 2022 will bring the end of Bitcoin's genesis stage. This is Mark Helfman out of Bitcoin Magazine. Predictions are hard, even when you know what's going to happen. If things turn out the way you predict, it's coincidence. When you're wrong, people throw it back in your face. It's a, it's a no-win no situation, but I'll, I'll give it a go. By the end of 2022, most crypto projects will be dead, dying, or on the brink of collapse. While developers will carry their ideas and innovations forward, the tokens themselves will not. A great bear market will wipe out the vast majority of altcoins. The experimental phase of cryptocurrency, the genesis stage, will end. Few realize Bitcoin's price went on a parabolic rise from December 2018 until November of 2021. In December of 2021, that parabola broke. This chart shows it clearly and, of course, shows a chart. Whether the price makes a new all-time high before another larger crash where it keeps trending sideways and down from here, I expect a bear market throughout 2022. For three years, the price rose at an accelerating pace, and it's time for the market to rest a bit. That doesn't mean innovation and adoption will stop. In fact, specific to Bitcoin, I expect great things to happen, just not price go up. What about Ethereum and the thousands of cryptocurrencies that are not Bitcoin? During the last year or the last bear market, 2018, almost every altcoin dropped more than 90% from its peak. Some dropped 99% and a handful went straight to zero. While the best altcoins actually do something other than go up, every altcoin has problems, even the biggest ones. Ethereum can't scale and cost too much for small users. ETH 2.0 gets delayed all the time. Nobody knows if it will work the way they expect. New tokenomics screw up some DeFi protocols, and behind-the-scenes conflicts breeds a lot of drama that its developers may never resolve. From looking into dozens of altcoins for my Altcoin Insights research service, I can assure you that most tokens are schemes for founders and insiders to swindle fast money from overzealous speculators. Many legit projects are copies of hard forks or other projects with few, if any, improvements. But they're new and exciting, so their tokens might pump. As an early-stage experimental technology with uncertain product market fits and novel structures, you can't expect any of them to hold up in a bear market. At least Bitcoin has actual users, <clears throat> proven technology, and lots of people with a stake in its success. Most altcoins have none of that. Once Bitcoin's bear market starts, altcoin prices will collapse. Many will drop 99% or more from their high. Most will never recover. The only question is how high will they go before they fall? If cryptocurrency still represents the Wild West of finance, the 2022 bear market will wipe away that image. Already, global financial regulators are probing stablecoins, privately issued cryptocurrencies pegged to the United States dollar and other major currencies. They compare stablecoins to digital versions of the wildcat banks of the Old West. Customers think that they can redeem their, quote, dollars anytime they want, but the banks don't have nearly enough reserves to do that. It's a fair analogy, though it doesn't make sense when you look at how stablecoins actually work. Still, the result is the same. Customers need to trust a private company to back their dollars rather than the full faith and credit of the United States government. But 
Private companies can tax, spend, and print more dollars to cover shortfalls. Once one of them fails, the risk of financial panic goes up a lot. At least one stablecoin probably does not have enough money to pay out to everybody who asked to redeem their tokens. You may have heard of it by name and it rhymes with feather. Perhaps all of them will fall short. When the bear market comes, we'll find out who's swimming naked. Some will go to jail, others will pay huge fines, and the stain will give even crypto diehards reason enough to allow governments to regulate who can create and distribute these digital dollars. Let's not get started with pre-mines, pre-sales, ICOs, and IDOs. While there's an outside chance countries create crypto-specific legal and regulatory frameworks, I'll bet they'll forego the hassle and just hand the whole thing over to Wall Street and to the big banks. U.S. regulators have already started to gather input on a regulatory framework for banks that want to put Bitcoin in their reserves and companies working on crypto-based financial products. Other countries have gone even further. They've also tried to push speculators to derivatives and other financial products. Wall Street happily complied. Now, with so many paper-traded Bitcoin products, if all you want to do is wager on the price of Bitcoin, you don't need to fuss with a Bitcoin wallet or custody platform. You can just buy EFTs, options, and futures contracts. Speculators never have to touch the spot market, and institutions can keep Bitcoin off of their books. As more money flows to paper-traded investment products instead of the spot markets, Bitcoin will have to earn its price. It can't depend on institutions because those institutions will buy a fund, not actual Bitcoin. Some think retail interest will pick up the slack, but not during a bear market. People will get bored as they did during each of Bitcoin's three previous bear markets, except unlike those previous three bear markets, people will have plenty of ways to get exposure to Bitcoin without actually buying it. You'll still have plenty of people accumulating Bitcoin, but the 13-year speculative phase of crypto will end. A new phase will begin, for better or for worse. And what will that phase look like? I believe that builders will keep building. Developers will keep innovating. Some platforms will adapt, persist, and bloom. Lightning, RSK, Sovereign, and other Bitcoin projects will render most altcoins obsolete. The technology will evolve while the price bleeds for months as it did in each of the three previous bear markets. Speculators will leave or go exclusively to derivatives. Demand will have to come from people who actually want Bitcoin rather than people who want to use Bitcoin to get more of their government's money. Frankly, that may just be the best thing. Terrible altcoins will die and Bitcoin can finally prove it has value beyond its price goes up. So that's that from Mark Healthman. Some of this stuff I agree with. Some of it I, I kind of don't. It's a mixed bag on this one because nobody wants to hear bear, bear market. You know, because generally speaking, the bear markets begin, you know, a little bit later in the, uh, the four-year halving cycle. Um, this one feels different. It just does. I don't know if it's going to go into a bear market or not. You know, I'm, I'm not going to speculate that way. I'm just going to try to do everything that I can to hodl my Bitcoin. That's, that's about all that, that you really can. That's the only thing that's in your control. You know, you don't have, you know, we don't have as much influence as we think we have. Um, and we, we certainly don't have, let's see, what is it? There's a circle of concern. There's a circle of influence. And then there's your circle of control. Those are the three circles. Your circle of concern is as far away from you 
as, pos as it possibly gets. Your circle of influence is closer because those are the people that you talk to, uh, the, the writings that you do, you know, whatever it is that you produce, you know, and, and who listens to you, your group of friends, family. Uh, if you've got a podcast, the people that listen to your podcast, that's your group of influence. But what can you control? I can't control the, the, the Bitcoin price. I can't control the prices of lumber, but I can hodl my Bitcoin. I can choose to buy more. I can choose to hodl that Bitcoin as well. I can choose to try to get into my sphere of influence and tell other people, yeah, you should probably get some, even if it's 25 bucks a week, a hundred bucks a week, you know, uh, 500 bucks a month, whatever, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. <clears throat> That's your circle of control. Whenever we step outside of our circle of control and we get our asses handed to us, it feels a little bad. So, you know, you get into your circle of influence and it doesn't work. That feels bad. But when you get into your circle of concern and you start trying to affect shit there, you're always going to feel bad because you're not going to affect anything there. And this is one of the reasons why I muted so many words having to do with what's going on in Europe right now. I just, it's not that I don't care. It's that it's completely outside my circle of control and it's completely outside my circle of influence. And 100% of it exists completely in my circle of concern, which I already know I can't do dick about. So I've got to come home to my circle of control when it comes to bear markets, what's going on in Europe, and just decide to hodl Bitcoin. Speaking of hodling Bitcoin, hodl don't trade, says the AI Bitcoin trading bot, Joseph Hall, Cointelegraph. Hodling really is the way when it comes to accumulating Bitcoin. At least that's the conclusion made by an artificial intelligence trading bot coded up by a Portuguese software developer. Bitcoiner Tiago Vasconcelos is the man behind the trading experiment. Vasconcelos built an AI trading bot that would help him accumulate more Bitcoin and test his coding skills. Almost inconceivably, instead of trading, the bot quickly concluded that the best way to trade Bitcoin is to buy and hold on to it. Even AI knows how to do this. Vasconcelos is the lead founder of Aceta Bitcoin, a Portuguese organization promoting the adoption, education, and sharing of information about Bitcoin. A keen Bitcoiner, he also dabbles in Bitcoin-related side projects. He told Cointelegraph it was a reinforcement learning AI experiment where I went and got a truckload of historical data from BTC USDT, the code sourced and scraped the daily price action from 2014 to 2021. Vasconcelos then, quote, trained it or told him, the bot, the rules. Here are the candles. You can either buy, sell, or do nothing, end quote. For every profitable trade, the bot would be rewarded with one point. The bot loses one point as a punishment for lost trades. Finally, a reward is granted to the bot for the total amount of Bitcoin the bot finishes with. Quote, the goal is for the bot to get the highest score possible and the exercise is that he makes thousands slash millions of tries on that set of data, making a mental path of when is best to buy and best to sell, etc., etc. The beauty of AI is that the bot begins to observe patterns and what Vasconcelos describes as moves that the bot makes to examine its trading score. Quote, eventually, the bot concludes the best move is to buy as soon as possible and never sell. There you have it. Now it's not just popular talking heads and even banks 
in the Bitcoin space that are crying HODL. Even the robots are HODLers. HODL is a popular meme in Bitcoin, originating from a Bitcoin Talk forum post in 2013 by an inebriated contributor who misspelled hold. The reason why the original commentator, GameQB, decided to HODL is because I'm a bad trader and I know I'm a bad trader. Turns out, he might have been just as smart as artificial intelligence all along. Guys, even the robots figured it out and figured it out a lot quicker before anybody else did. I'd almost like to see him, in, you know, include shitcoin trading as a point reward system for this particular AI to see what that one does, honestly. Now, this one from Tom Mitchellhill, I think that's how you pronounce it, Cointelegraph. OpenSea updates banned countries list sparking decentralization debate. Yeah, it's not, uh, NFTs and OpenSea and MetaMask are not decentralized as we will become painfully aware of here in a few seconds. United States-based NFT marketplace OpenSea has reportedly begun barring Iranian users from its platform, sparking outrage from NFT collectors and raising fresh debate about decentralization in the crypto space. On Thursday morning, Iranian OpenSea users started posting on Twitter that their accounts were being deactivated or deleted with no prior warning. Iranian NFT artist Bosanor vented frustrations to their 4,700 followers in a tweet that quickly gained traction, garnering 342 retweets and over 1,000 likes within a few hours. Bosanor stated, quote, not a GM at all, not a good morning at all. Woke up to my OpenSea trading account being deactivated slash deleted without my notice or any explanation. An OpenSea spokesperson said to Cointelegraph that it reserves the right to block users based on sanctions. Quote, our terms of service explicitly prohibit sanctioned users or users in sanctioned territories from using our services. We have a zero tolerance policy for the use of our services by sanctioned individuals or entities and people located in sanctioned countries. If we find individuals to be in violation of our sanctions policy, we take swift action to ban the associated accounts, end quote. Jeez. The current U.S. sanctions outline that American companies are not allowed to provide goods or services to any user based in countries on the sanctions list, including Iran, North Korea, Syria, and now Russia. OpenSea is a U.S. company with its headquarters in New York. These actions from OpenSea have sparked fresh debate about whether large blockchain-based firms and services are adequately decentralized with MetaMask joining in on enforcing sanction-based crackdowns. According to MetaMask's Twitter account, Venezuelan users were, quote, accidentally banned from accessing their MetaMask wallets. This was after blockchain development company Infura accidentally broadened the scope of its sanctions-related crackdowns. Cryptocurrencies and the digital assets like NFTs continue to come under increasing regulatory scrutiny from the United States government as it increases the severity of economic sanctions against Russia. OpenSea remains the world's largest NFT marketplace, hosting over $22 billion in sales since its inception. This isn't the first time the cryptocurrency industry has been involved in turmoil surrounding the intricacies of international sanctions with multiple crypto exchanges embroiled in the debate around freezing Russian crypto assets. The world's largest exchange, Binance, refused to block accounts for innocent Russian customers. Um, so there you go. That, that's the whole, what, if you're wondering about why everybody's bitching about the NFTs and OpenSea, this is why. 
it's not decentralized. It never was decentralized. We tried to warn you and everybody called us a bunch of names. Turns out we were right. We were right all along. We continue to be right. We will be right into the future. You can see whether or not this shit's coming down the pipe. It's not hard. It really isn't. It's not hard. You just got to rip away all your, your hopeful bullshit and look at the actual facts. OpenSea is, along with Infura and MetaMask and anybody that has anything to do with this shit, they are going to do everything the United States and Canadian and European Union governments want them to do. They will jump through every hoop put in front of them. They will jump over every hurdle that is placed in front of them as long as they're in compliance with Canada, United States, European Union, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, you name it, man. You fucking name it. It's going to be there. So this is proof. All right, they're banning Iranian users. Okay, now check this out, though. It's what they said in their, um, in their statement to Cointelegraph. Our terms of service explicitly prohibit sanctioned users or users in sanctioned territories from using our services. We have a zero tolerance policy for the use of our services by sanctioned individuals. All right, let's say that I move to El Salvador and El Salvador is not on a sanctions list. And I start trading in NFTs on, you know, with MetaMask and OpenSea and Infura and whatever else, right? And I'm, 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 I'm doing fair trades. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything nefarious except that I'm shitcoining. Okay. But I've got like, you know, a hundred NFTs and I'm selling them and I'm buying them and I'm trading them on the open market on OpenSea and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden Bukele does something and the United States puts Bukele on the sanctions list. Now I become a sanctioned user. I wasn't before. Here, it looks like there's, there's no, there's not going to be any grandfathering. They're just going to shut you off. So as a user of NFTs, especially in a world where the geopolitical landscape is basically been torn apart and rendered, rendered asunder, if that's even a phrase that I can use here, then you, nobody really knows if they're going to be sanctioned next. And you'd have, you would literally have to keep your ear to the ground to make sure that you were able to uh, get rid of all your NFTs for something that you can actually use later. That's why I don't NFT. This is why I Bitcoin. I just, I'm just not going to do it. Hey, let's run numbers. CNBC.com futures and commodities. West Texas intermediate on fire. 5% to the upside. $113 a barrel. That's for West Texas Intermediate Crude, ladies and gentlemen. Brent North Sea, likewise, up four and a quarter percent to $115.14. Natural gas is up, it looks like 3.35% to $4.88 per thousand cubic feet. Uh, gasoline is up almost 5% to $3.44.5 per gallon. Gold up three quarters of a point to $1,949.90. Silver up 1.26% to 25 and a half bucks. Platinum up two and a half. Copper up 2.12. And palladium reaching for the sky 5.85% to the upside. Every single agricultural futures are up. 
wheat especially 6.61% of the upside next uh, next one that's the winner is 4.58% of the upside that would be the corn and then we have soybeans up a point we have sugar up over two points we have coffee up almost a point we have rough rice up a point and a quarter do you see where this is going ladies and gentlemen can can you see this because i can see this and it freaking sucks but be that as it may Indices, Dow down 1.17%, S&P down 1.24%, NASDAQ down 1.2%, NASDAQ, or sorry, <laughs> S&P mini is down 1.5%. Real money is at 40695 bucks. Yes, buy the dip. 267,574 transactions in the last 24 hours is 11,200 transactions every hour on the hour with 878,000 BTC being sent in that 24 hour period. That's 36,590 BTC every hour on the hour. 3.28 BTC is the average transaction value and the median transaction value is 0.015 BTC or about 600 bucks. Block times are exactly 10 minutes and zero seconds. We had a difficulty adjustment apparently sometime yesterday, I guess. Uh, 0.12 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. 18.2 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And with a almost 3% jump in hash rate, we are at 202.6 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is doge, not looking good. 12.6 United States pennies. 3,391 transactions waiting on four blocks to clear with a market capitalization. Bitcoin is holding at $770.5 billion, which is just over 6% of gold's market cap. And if you so choose, you may buy 20.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,974,239.8 of. And 3,466 of those are locked in the Lightning Network valued at $140.8 million, being run over 20,096 nodes, sporting 85,518 public payment channels, and 76.1% of all that shit's being run over Tor, and it's 11,643 associated nodes that we know about. There's your vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Let's ponder a bit about oil and its relationship to Bitcoin. In this one from Coindesk, Bitcoin analysts ponder impact as oil at highest price since 2008. Bitcoin is an inflation hedge, right? That's what a lot of crypto analysts say. So theoretically, the Bitcoin market would get a boost as Russia's invasion of Ukraine sends crude oil to its highest price since 2008. But it ain't that simple. High oil prices might give the Federal Reserve an extra reason to worry about inflation, and that might keep pressure on the United States Central Bank to tighten monetary policy from the current ultra-loose conditions. In recent months, Bitcoin has been falling in response to hawkish announcements from the Fed seemingly in sync with stocks. A question some crypto analysts are starting to ask is if Bitcoin might decouple from stocks and start to trade more like a safe haven asset similar to gold. That is, an asset whose price might benefit or even just hold its value when stocks are selling off. Quote, I'm wondering if Bitcoin is starting to show the first signs of maturity as a safe haven, said Jason Dean, analyst at Quantum Economics. 
Quote, if so, this could theoretically become a positive outcome for the asset, end quote. Bitcoin having its, uh, sorry, Bitcoin is having its best week so far in 2022. The cryptocurrency is up 12% since February the 27th. The latest rally pushed Bitcoin into the $40,000 mark after news of the invasion initially sent the price down to the 30,000s. As of press time, the Bitcoin price was just under $43,000. Yeah, well, not anymore. <clears throat> Oil prices rose earlier Thursday to their highest point since 2008, with the United States benchmark West Texas Intermediate crude hitting $116 a barrel at one point during the trading session. A concern expressed by a growing number of economists is that the higher oil prices might drive up prices for motorists at the pump and also possibly push up costs for manufacturers in the transportation industry. What do you mean possibly? Of course it will. Such a dynamic could exacerbate inflation, which is already at its highest in four decades. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said Wednesday in an address before the House of Representatives Financial Services Committee that he expects the central bank to raise rates 0.25 percentage points at its next regularly scheduled meeting later this month. Powell cited high inflation, a tight labor market, and strong economic demand as reasons why the Fed needs to start tightening monetary policy. Yeah, after you've already destroyed everything. He didn't directly address oil in his comments on Wednesday. He is scheduled to appear before the Senate Banking Committee on Thursday. Quote, we think the Russia-Ukraine war will intensify global and United States inflation pressures by pushing up oil and gas prices, Brian Colton, chief economist of Fitch, told Coindesk in an email. Colton says that while many economists focus on core inflation, which excludes the impact of volatile food and energy, and energy prices, Repeated shocks from oil prices could become a problem. Quote, headline inflation shocks matter if they keep on coming, Colton said. The entire debate stems from the fact that so far in 2022, Bitcoin hasn't performed as the hedge against inflation that many traders had expected. The largest cryptocurrency by market cap is down 8% year to date as data readings on consumer prices have continually surprised economists on the upside. There's even been talk of possible stagflation, oh great, where inflation is high but economic growth is negligible to non-existence. Traders have shown they're more comfortable putting cash into gold, which has thus far outperformed Bitcoin year to date. That's interesting. That's been a knock on Bitcoin's performance. Quote, for crypto, the volatility and regulatory uncertainty and unpredictable swings are hurting the efficacy against inflation, oil, or economic weaknesses, said Mark Hackett, chief investment of uh, research at Nationwide. Sorry about that. I'm kind of stumbling there. Um, so yeah, oil is at a price now where it's... Uh, it's a thing. You know, it's seven, six, 50, 60, 70 bucks a barrel. You know, that causes problems for some countries that can't afford to pull it out of the ground underneath $72. But, you know, it, honestly, it's, it's still a high price for oil. And yet, eh, you know, it's like meh. But man, you start getting into the 80s, 90s, and now we're into the 110s on both benchmarks. That's not. You know, that's not good. And how long will those oil prices last? I don't know. I wish I did, but I don't. Everything is, everything is in turmoil right now. And it's just, it's just, it's hard to get a handle on almost anything. But we can get a handle on poop. That's right, poop. I said it, poop. Mining Bitcoin with human waste. 
the orange future of wastewater treatment. All right, this is Ricardo Carmona from Bitcoin Magazine. And this is probably, I read a series of tweets. I don't know if it was from the same guy, but it was a few weeks ago talking about this exact thing. Well, here's a whole article about it. And I don't know what you think about what's called humanure or human poop, uh, but it does, it happens. Everybody poops. There's a children's book by the same name, in case you were wondering. And all that poop has to go somewhere. And nobody's putting it in, in their fields for fertilizer for various reasons. So it goes to a waste treatment plant. And yet it produces methane. Let's find out more. The chemical composition of our fecal matter allows it to carry internal energy, which can be extracted through special wastewater treatment processes. Bitcoin mining seeks the cheapest energy available, which is frequently the energy being wasted without anyone to consume it. There is generally complex engineering and energy expenditure to release the potential of nuclear power, coal-fired power plants, and renewable sources of energy such as solar and wind. Now imagine a simple process that starts by simply sitting on the toilet. After we do our sitting and flushing, which is a minimal energy expenditure, all that highly diluted fluid with our poop in it gets collected by an intricate sewage system that finds its way to a wastewater treatment plant. Once there, high volumes of fluid are separated into a more concentrated slurry and clarified water. This is usually done in two stages of clarification and ulterior filtration. The slurry is the most valuable part. This slurry is often sent to what is known as a biodigester to start the process of anaerobic digestion, a process where bacteria thrive in the absence of oxygen and light to consume the organic matter and produce biogas. This gas is 40 to 50% methane and 30 to 40% CO2 on average, which makes it a great option for further uses. It is also 100% renewable energy. Human waste could be thought of as the other renewable energy source. Biodigesters actually stabilize the slurry biosolids at the same time that they efficiently and largely deactivate viable pathogens, including parasites and viruses, making the use of a biodigester a healthier means of dealing with all that human waste, all while extracting energy content in the process. Biogas is considered one of the best forms of renewable energy for the energy grid. It requires no drilling, mining, or building additional infrastructure for solar power, wind turbines, hydroelectric dams, or nuclear power plants. At the same time, it is one of the few carbon negative fuels out there, as methane emissions from the slurry would have otherwise escaped into the environment, but are captured and processed into biogas instead. Once converted to biogas, the fuel can be used in many ways. It can be flared or vented, which is the cheapest thing to do. However, venting releases two destructive gases, which are CO2 and methane. Upgraded to pipeline quality, which is 95% methane, and injected into the grid's natural gas pipeline, but that's costly and burdensome with a bunch of regulatory red tape. It can be used for heating, and this requires close proximity to the collection of the biogas. Do you really want to live right next to the wastewater plant? No, you don't. You, you really don't. Used for cooking. Uh, this also requires close proximity. Again, you don't want to be close. <clears throat> it could be used to generate power with an engine or a turbine. This can be used on site at the wastewater treatment plant or sold for use in the electrical grid. It's important to understand that even with a free source of energy, economic and other incentives need to be aligned to get other people on board. 
Further, after my technical and economic analysis, I found that only a handful of projects are feasible enough or feasible through the artificial incentives created with carbon and tax credits. Also, the only projects worth considering are the ones with massive biogas yield. Bitcoin mining perfectly aligns the production, storage, and economic incentives of using wastewater to produce biogas. Because of the efficient use of energy, mining Bitcoin with biogas, human waste can essentially flow from your toilet to a Bitcoin address, storing value in an extremely efficient way. Oh my God. I would rather not shit on my Bitcoin address, but there you go. This doesn't mean that mining from wastewater is cheaper than all other means of electricity production or that the massive companies created for mining Bitcoin need to be looking at the treatment plants. According to research by the Argonne National Laboratory in Illinois, it is estimated that producing energy in a wastewater treatment plant could cost anywhere from $0.013 per kilowatt hour. That would be 1.3 United States pennies. Uh, to 10 cents per kilowatt hour for CPI adjusted. <clears throat> for those established companies to start mining with biogas, it would not be an efficient way to increase their hash rate. The transformation will occur the other way around. Wastewater treatment plant operators are the ones who will benefit from using biogas to mine Bitcoin. Most of them are sitting on wasted energy anyway, which can be converted to Bitcoin. These treatment facilities could be incentivized to use wasted energy sources to either generate power for themselves or sell it back to the grid. On average, we can generate around 26 kilowatts per million gallons per day from wastewater treatment plants. However, generating power from slurry in the United States is not common. In 2011, only 10% of the plants produced biogas. Of this 10%, only 10% used the biogas to produce electricity or heat, per the research by Argonne National Laboratory. The Argonne National Laboratory research also found in 2014, 14, uh, oh, sorry, 780 wastewater treatment facilities processed an average of 32,345 MGD. This provides a potential of 840 megawatts of energy, which is about a 2.18 MGD facility. With this information, how much power can we provide with human waste in order to determine scalability for Bitcoin mining? Each wastewater treatment plant processes about 100 gallons per day per person, according to the National Laboratory. That's the Argonne National Laboratory. We would need 384 people's poop to produce one kilowatt of power, according to my calculations based on those averages. So how much do we need to power an Antminer S9 or an Antminer S19? The dirty little secret is waste from 530 and 1,171 people, respectively. In the Western Highlands of Guatemala, Panchachel has become the focus of the Bitcoin mining or the Bitcoin lake effort. The population of this vibrant community is about 16,000 people. The Bitcoin lake effort aims to create a Bitcoin circular economy, much like Bitcoin Beach in El Zante, El Salvador, with a major distinction. The Bitcoin lake effort is starting without a Bitcoin endowment. Because of this, there needs to be a means of injecting new Bitcoin into the community. Critical to this endeavor is the importance of introducing Bitcoin mining using renewable energy that can help align economic incentives with cleaning the national treasure of Lago Atlan. Panchagel has one fully operational wastewater, or, yeah, wastewater treatment pr uh, plant called Los Ceballos, designed to receive eight mg, or sorry, point 
8 MGD, but it's operating at an overcapacity of around 1.0 MGD, according to the plant operator. In a recent visit in 2022, Bitcoin Lake promoter Dr. Patrick Melder confirmed that the facility is currently producing biogas, which is vented to the environment. There have been discussions in the past to flare the gas and generate electricity for the plant, but the economic incentives weren't aligned enough for them to move in that direction. At Los Ceboyas, there's enough energy available to power a generator of about 25 to 30 kilowatts. This would be enough energy to power seven or eight Antminer S19J Pros. At the current prices and network difficulty, this would produce about $5,000 per month. Bitcoin mining from municipal wastewater is inevitable because the Bitcoin network is the most competitive bidder for energy in the worldwide energy auction. Like a scavenger, the network will seek out all available energy sources at the very lowest cost. Embarking on such a relevant project in a small town like Panchajel could cause a huge spark that will elevate the town's consciousness to the importance of Bitcoin, specifically how Bitcoin mining can generate financial resources. When the local residents and the indigenous communities learn that they can produce hard money from their waste, this will be the beginning of a worldwide pay-for-poop bonanza. This could help transform the endemic problem of contaminated water for so many communities around the world by incentivizing proper wastewater treatment in order to be rewarded in Bitcoin for doing so. There could also be an opportunity to create some type of municipal slurry bonds for the purpose of Bitcoin mining. Are they actually talking about shit bonds? Just speculating, whatever. For Lago Atlan, Bitcoin mining could be what finally allows the various incentives to be aligned that are needed to help bring Bitcoin to this small town. All of this can surely be kickstarted with a very modest support of the Bitcoin mining community. Let's help Bitcoin mining succeed for Lago Atlan and the world. So poop directly to your Bitcoin address. I mean, in one way, it's disgusting when you think about it, but I was trained in biology. Human, human fluids and waste actually don't, they don't really mess with me. They did. And then I had to get, then I went into cell molecular biology and no, that it, it doesn't, it just doesn't. Uh, poop is a huge resource that we, we basically just flush. Think about this. It's not just the energy that's being flushed. When you eat salad and steak and, you know, whatever, not only are you getting protein and, and carbohydrates and general, you know, energy molecules, some burn fast, some burn slow, like, you know, starch burns fast, protein burns slow, uh, but you're getting, you know, potassium, you're getting cobalt, you're getting copper, you're getting all manner of, of uh, metals and earth minerals and all kinds of shit in very low doses, but they're critical for life. So when we harvest food off of the field and then we eat it and then we shit and that shit goes to the Mississippi River or whatever, it finally, you know, goes or into a landfill, then you're losing all those nutrients. I am not a proponent of putting raw human sewage onto our food supply. Why? Well, there's a lot of problems with that. Uh, our diet has become increasingly bad and and we have a tendency to harbor some really nasty nasty pathogens but once you go through a biodigester and anaerobically digest the entire thing all of a sudden now you can actually put that shit back on the field quite literally 
again, it has to be done in a proper way. But at one point or another, we're going to need to start thinking about how do we retain the nutrients in farming. And that's another, that's a whole other can of worms. That should be like me talking to Texas Slim or Untapped Growth or, you know, various other people that are in agriculture that, or that are interested in agriculture because that's a rabbit hole all by itself and I don't want to get into it. Uh, let's see, what else we got here on the list? Nope, I'm not going to do that one. Uh, oh, Google Trends data reveals that no one cared about metaverse or NFTs in 2022. This is interesting as it's coming out of Cointelegraph, which usually shills the shit out of NFTs and all manner of shit coins. Ezra Reguera is writing it. While the worldwide search interest for the keywords metaverse and NFT boomed in the last quarter of 2021, Google Trends data shows that the hype may have passed since February of 2022. Google Trends shows that in the last 12 months, searches for Metaverse gained traction within October to December of last year. However, since the beginning of 2022, the search interest continues to drop, hitting its lowest point for 2022 in March. Apart from the keyword Metaverse, the data shows that the worldwide search for NFT has also started to decline this year. However, the drop for NFT is more noticeable as it reached record highs in 2021 then fell steeply into the first quarter of 2022. In the last 12 months, users from Turkey are on top of interest by region category in Google Trends for the keyword metaverse. The country surpasses China and Singapore that ranks number two and three on the list. Cyprus and Lebanon follow closely at number four and five. So all, it looks like it's possible, just possible that maybe NFTs will just die on their own only to be resurrected later. I guarantee it. I promise you, even if NFTs died tomorrow, in six months or a year and a half, a resurrection will begin. And it will be like NFTs never happened before. And they're like, look at this new thing called the NFT. It's going to be a marketing scam. So, but for the time being, it looks like the fad is dying out. And that whole new, all that news from MetaMask and OpenSea about declining usage for people in sanctioned countries, that is not going to help them. That is going to prove to people around the world that basically they're next, honestly. Uh, moving on, New York Bitcoin mining moratorium bill garners more support. Brian Neuer, Cointelegraph. A New York state proposal to suspend fossil fuel powered proof of work mining for three years across the state has gained support from two more assembly members. Members Amy Pollan and Ken Zabrowski have thrown their names in along with 43 other co-sponsors for Bill A7389B. <clears throat> in addition to the three year suspension of mining at former fossil fuel power plants, the bill would require the New York State Department of Environmental Conservation to assess the state's crypto mining industry. The assessment would determine the impact on water, air quality, and greenhouse gas emissions. New York State Representative Ann Kellis said in February that the information from the NYSDEC assessment, that's the New York, uh, what was it? Oh, God. It was up here to say uh, New York State Department of Environmental Con Con Conservation. Uh, their assessment would help determine whether an outright binding man, mining ban would be in order, quote, if that's what's necessary to ensure that the industry does not prevent us from reaching our climate goals. She proposed the legislation to the state legislature 
last May. The bill would require a majority of assembly members to sponsor it in order to be sent to the governor for final approval into law. There are currently only 45 out of 150 assembly members sponsoring the bill, so it still has a way to go before coming to force, and hopefully it never will. Otherwise, the good people of New York are going to find themselves completely cut out of the Bitcoin ecosystem. So, I mean, they've done everything they can with the Bitcoin, with the New York license or the Bitcoin license or whatever it is. That was their first step to pulling themselves, basically banning themselves from Bitcoin. If they ban proof of work mining, eh, same goes. And all they'll be left with is proof of stake, which will be fine for a while, but it's no different than what we already have. And Vitalik Buterin is, is proving that uh, with OpenSea and MetaMask banning people around the world because the United States has their panties in a wad about it. In either event, that's gonna do it for the morning roundup. Coming into the weekend, we need a joke. Dad says jokes. I got tired of being judged for going bald, so I went out and bought a cheap wig. It was a small price to pay. As always, you can support the show through Podcasting 2.0 if you have to know. And if you don't want to do that, patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and podcast is a fiat way to support the show. If you want to not give your treasure, but you do want to have be able to uh, afford a little bit of time for me, five-star review on Apple uh, iTunes is always welcome and is actually really effective, by the way. Uh, word of mouth is the best way that I can get the, the, the show out because I can't afford to advertise the show. Who, who knew that it was so hard to break into the Bitcoin podcasting space after three and a half years? In either event, to all the people that have supported me now, in the past and for those that will support me in the future thank you i will see you on the other side this has been bitcoin and and i'm your host david bennett i hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon have a great day